you still have a couple days left here to get everything ready for Christmas, but the perfect Christmas, perfect family Christmas. Is there such a thing as the perfect Christmas celebration? Some people think so, and they actually have an exact plan for success, and I will share that with you coming up in just a moment. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Ray. All right, so here we are. We've got three days till Christmas. That perfect Christmas, though, what what makes for a perfect Christmas? So many Christmas movies will focus on this theme of trying to convey what you know Christmas spirit is all about, the true meaning of Christmas, having that perfect Christmas. Well, in 2018, there was a survey done of 2,000 adults. This was conducted by Marks and Spencer. And here is what the respondents said would make for the perfect Christmas. Three key things. Receiving, on average, seven presents. Not six, not eight, seven presents. Waking up at 7.56 a.m. and having Christmas dinner by 2.33 p.m., very specific time. I'm sure there was a range of times, and then that just became the average of those 2,000 people. But according to the survey, that's the key to a happy Christmas. The BBC, they shared a list of 12 tips that they said are the factors, the crucial factors for having the perfect Christmas. You ready for all 12? Number one, plan in advance, although you are kind of running out of time now to do too much planning here uh, in just a couple days before Christmas Eve. Number two, decorate your tree right. Have the correct balance of large and small ornaments, the different textures. Don't have too many of the blinking lights on there. Uh, In fact, you might not need any blinking lights at all. But tip number three, don't be afraid to get crafty with your decorations around the home. Number four, make your presence great and don't forget anyone, which, yeah, I mean, does that even have to be on the list? Nobody wants a dud of a present, and yeah, hopefully you don't forget anyone. All right, number five, if you're throwing a Christmas party, spend time coming up with a solid Christmas music playlist. Number six, if you work from home, throw your own office party, especially if you know other friends who work from home as well. Get together with them. You can have your own impromptu office party for Christmas. Tip number seven for the perfect Christmas, according again to this list from the BBC, it's to plan out your Christmas dinner. Have something special for the meal, of course, but give yourself enough time to get the meal ready without rushing at the end, just scrambling to get the food on the table. Number eight, keep your family traditions going. Don't be afraid to make new ones. Tip number nine, Bring everyone together with a game or two, and I'll offer my own aside here on this one. Another way to bring everyone together, before you play that game, have everyone help with the cleanup after dinner. You know, Don't leave it up to just one or two people. Everybody get involved. Number 10 on this list, avoid family drama. If things get a little heated, step out. Take the dog for a walk. Go throw the, uh, a ball with some of the younger kids out in the yard, whatever you need to do. Tip number 11, walk into Christmas with a festive mood. Be generous, be kind. That's I think that's my favorite uh, of all these on this list. Okay, and here we come to the last one, item number 12 on this. The last tip to, that they suggest for the perfect Christmas is try not to stress. 
And they say, and this is a quote, to remember that things don't have to be perfect and quite often won't be, which I think is kind of a silly bit humorous end to this tip. You know, here's this whole list. Here's a bunch of things you need to have a perfect Christmas. Oh, but then don't stress about all those things because it doesn't have to be perfect. In fact, it probably won't be perfect. So then why did I just spend this time going through your prior 11 tips? (laughs) Only just to tell me that I can't have a a perfect Christmas. But whether it's the survey that was done with those 2,000 people, whether it's this list from the BBC, there's something missing in these ideas of what make for a perfect Christmas. All of these different ideas of what makes for the perfect Christmas, they leave out the most important factor. They ignore the reason we celebrate Christmas in the first place. Since you're listening to Relevant Radio, I probably don't have to tell you what makes for the best Christmas celebration. You already know. So today here on The Inner Life, we want to discuss how we can approach the birth of Jesus as Catholics. What does it really mean to celebrate Christmas as a follower of Jesus? What are some of the things that should make our Christmas unique as Catholics? And maybe by the end of this hour, we'll have our own list of tips for what actually does make for the very best Christmas. And I'm very glad to welcome back to the program as our spiritual director today, Father Brian O'Brien. He is a priest in the Diocese of Tulsa, pastor of St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Father O'Brien, welcome back to The Inner Life. I hope it's been a a wonderful Advent season for you. Yes, indeed. Just a couple more days left in the season, and then we're we're fired up for the for the weekend and some big crowds and um, hopefully a lot of people that we'll uh, maybe see for the first time or for the first time in a long time. And then, of course, all of our regulars. Um, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it, it's it's always uh, kind of a joyful, chaotic mess at uh, Christmas Eve mass, especially you know the the ones we've gone with our our younger kids, um, which the different parishes we've been at, they actually call it the children's mass or uh, the mass for children. Um, Those can be the busiest. I actually find myself appreciating the ones that are a little later into the evening on Christmas Eve. For me, it just seems like it's a little easier to enter into that true kind of prayerful atmosphere. But at the same time, it's really cute to see all the kids dressed up at the busy, crazy mass, you know, the the first vigil mass there on Christmas Eve. Their pretty little dresses, the girls, the the boys with their little ties that, you know, uh, aren't quite on straight, maybe a little crooked under the collar there. But, uh, Father, did you did you grow up in a Catholic home? I did. I did. My my parents, Marty and Peggy O'Brien, we grew up, uh, grew up right outside of Houston, and Christmas was a big was a big deal uh, for us. Um, certainly, all the kind of the the stuff around it, you know, presents and family and and good food. But you know, right right in the middle of that, at some point, I think we we didn't really have like a a tradition of which mass we went to. So there were times I know we went Christmas Eve. I remember going to midnight mass several several different times, being really tired. And then we also went on on Christmas morning, but but uh, going to mass, going to Christmas mass was the the central part of that, and then kind of everything else uh, around it. Well, so when you're thinking about that, you know, mass being the central part, what else stands out to you as being kind of that? And and I might move away from that word perfect, and I might say instead an ideal Christmas? You know, what What are some of the things that maybe were that ideal um, Christmas for you growing up? 
Yeah, you said you said in your intro, you know, just I think people have an expectation of like a perf. You know, we want everything to be just, just so. Um, it, you know, and I think that just doesn't happen in a family. You know, there's there's always some wrinkle that's gonna that's gonna come in. So that certainly happened in our family. Um, you know, I'm 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 the youngest of five kids, and so Christmas was was hectic. Christmas was kind of everybody going in lots of different directions. And then there was always family uh, involved. So sometimes, you know, with my grandparents or we had our aunts and uncles and, co- and cousins over. So when you add people like that, you know, they show up late or they come too early or they're staying the night, um, you know, the, maybe a present doesn't arrive uh, on time or the the turkey that we're cooking, you know, doesn't quite get uh, done all the way or you know, whatever it may be. All of those things, you know, go into. And I have just beautiful memories of, of, of wonderful Christmases that, that were not perfect, um, but that were holy um, in just such a beautiful way that, come, you know, kind of coming out of a, uh, the life of a family, it's never going to be perfect. So what are the things that uh, kind of stand out as that holy atmosphere then? You know, you, you talked about going to Mass. Any other things that your family would specifically do maybe, you know, uh, on the 23rd? anticipating Christmas Eve or Christmas Eve itself, Christmas Day, you know, surrounding with whether it is Christmas dinner or opening of presents? Yeah, we so f- food was always a big, uh, was always a big part of it, very, you know, very festive, um, always a lot of food kind of around uh, as, as people came. Um, you know, we, we, I think one of the things we really tried to concentrate on as a family is uh, the giving of gifts, you know, and, and seeing that as part of our of our faith, you know, so it's not just sort of this this grab for cash or or you know the the latest presents, but trying to see that as as coming out of our faith that we're trying to be generous uh, to other people. And so my parents, you know, they worked hard and and so tried to provide for us. And we never got, you know, it wasn't like a a, a lot of presents, you know, no one ever got a car for Christmas or things like that. We kind of got that one or two things that we all that we always wanted. Um, probably that my best memory, we, we went through a, a little stretch where we would go to midnight mass, um, come home, open all the presents, and then go to bed. Oh, wow. It was very weird. And it it lasted for, I don't know, it was probably two or three years where we did that. But just the, it's just such a great memory. You know, you go to mass, come home, and there's this, it's like, you know, you're kind of, you're kind of, there's a lot of adrenaline or you're, you know, you're, you're just excited coming from mass. And we would come home, open all the presents. So you wake up Christmas morning, and you know everything everything's already open and, and ready to play with. That was just one of, one of those great memories that I have from uh, from my teenage years. I, I'm glad that's a good memory for you because yeah, as I it, we always it, it's always been open cr- uh, presents on Christmas morning and in, in my family growing up and now with my own children, and that idea of when you're young, especially not having the anticipation that everything's already opened up. Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> Christmas Eve was always so hard to fall asleep when I was young. You know, you you knew there was the excitement of the day, the presents, you know, everything else that was going to be happening on Christmas Day. So, But I suppose if you've been kept up past midnight, you've opened all your presents, it makes it even easier to just kind of crash and fall asleep at that point. Yeah, and then you can just like sleep in, kind of a no pressure Christmas morning. Uh, everyone just can kind of wake up when they want to. Because I remember being like a little kid, and my brothers and sisters, you know, were like waiting at the top of the stairs, um, and that would, you know, basically whoever was up first 
was going to be the one to wake everybody else up. And so that sometimes would happen, you know, six, six, seven, seven thirty in the morning when I'm sure my parents just wanted to, to sleep in and my teenage brothers and sisters wanted to sleep in. So it just kind of varied throughout the years, but always just such uh, such beautiful memories. Oh, that's great. Also want to open up the phone lines here as today we talk about how we can celebrate Christmas as Catholics. And what do you do in your family? What do you do? Maybe your your kids are grown and they're out of the house. Maybe it was, you know, the memories that you have of when they were younger. What are some of the ways that you have been able to keep that focus on Christ at Christmas? Um, what are some of the things that you'll do coming up on Christmas Eve and then on Christmas Day itself to celebrate Jesus being born? Um, maybe some of the different traditions that you and your family have participated in that, that separate your Christmas celebration from the secular activities that are happening in your community. Our phone number to call in, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father, even as I say, you know, we, we want to, you know, make sure that we keep Christ in Christmas, kind of as that, that familiar slogan is, uh, you know, put out there for several years now. I don't want to give the wrong impression, you know, as we talk about how we can celebrate Christmas as Catholics, there's nothing wrong with all the other, you know, festivities surrounding this season. Um, you know, watching the Christmas movies, you know, uh, the the presents under a Christmas tree. The main message, I guess, you know, just we want to make sure that anyone would take away from this hour, from this conversation, is to make sure that Christ is at the center of the celebration, not to do away with those other things. It's not an either-or, it's, it's really a both-and. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a lot, you know, a lot of the kind of the outside stuff, I think it adds to it. You know, it, it I think it builds anticipation. So, you know, when, when those first Christmas lights go up, you know, whether for some people, you know, it seems like after Halloween or after, after Thanksgiving, people start getting fired up for Christmas. It, it gets you in the mood, you know, and those movies start coming on. The music comes on. You know, I think, yeah, I think the Christmas music comes on a little early. Like, really, do we need it in late November? I'm kind of a stickler for that. I like to kind of keep celebrate Christmas at Christmas and then let the Christmas season, you know, uh, take take us through to the new year. But, you know, it, it, it does. It gets us in the mood. Holiday parties, um, ugly sweaters, you know, all that kind of stuff kind of around uh, around Christmas puts us in the mood and, and hopefully in a in a not just in a secular mood but in a religious mood to celebrate the birth of Christ which is you know what it's all about that's exactly right uh, you know one of the things is I'm thinking you mentioned all the extra family coming in to the home for Christmas you know if you have aunts and uncles if you have grandparents if you have cousins whoever all might be coming there together um, any advice on how you can you can keep that festive attitude when maybe some of your family aren't Catholic, and so you know that there's going to be a little bit of I don't know. It could be there could be resistance, there could be an awkwardness where you have people who just aren't on the same page with you in your spiritual life and your spiritual journey. How can you be that witness that doesn't I guess come off? And and it, it's it's not overbearing, but at the same time, you're not holding back in being proudly, boldly, and, and joyfully Catholic in the way that you're celebrating Christmas. Yeah, I'd say a couple things. You know, I, I just first of all, just think, you know, how how do you decorate your home? 
you know, when somebody walks in, this is true, you know, hopefully true year year round, but when someone walks into your home, do they know this is the home of a disciple of Jesus Christ? If you're, if you're a Catholic, do they know, you know, whether just from, from imagery that's around the home and Christmas Advent and into the Christmas season, the number of things we can do. So, you know, from, from a tree, which has religious significance to a manger, seen um, to images of, you know, our Lord or, or our, the, our Blessed Mother, uh, St. Joseph, the Holy Family, whatever it may be, St. Nicholas, you know, those kinds of things. You know, so kind of giving that, giving that, um, that witness where, where you're not even saying anything, but walking into your home, they're going to say, okay, this is, a, this is the home of, of, of believers. Um, then the other part, I think, is just the, the joy that, that one has. Um, joy is contagious. You know, we sing that hymn, you know, at different times of the year. They'll know we are Christians by our love. They'll know we are Christians by our joy also. And so having that joy, not allowing uh, the busyness of the season to to get in the way of our relationships. And and that joy is really contagious. When you walk into the home of someone who is, who's joyful and showing, you know, really beautiful hospitality, um, that is contagious, and that that seeps in without ever mentioning the name of Christ. And then I think with with family, you know, if they're especially if they're coming into your home, um, it, it is well within your your right and and you know maybe your kind of evangelical duty um, to to pray to lead to lead a prayer and to just say you know everyone I know we come from maybe different you know different backgrounds, but um, before we eat or before we open presents, uh, I'd like to lead us in prayer. And so would you join me? And it's, it's not, you're not sort of foisting it on them to say, hey, you know, Uncle Jim, who never goes to church, like, hey, why don't you pray? That'd be, that'd be, that would not be good hospitality. Right. But to invite people into uh, your family's life of prayer, uh, not putting it on them, but, but doing it yourself, but inviting them to participate in that can be really beautiful. And I think a, 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 a beautiful evangelical uh, message at Christmas time. Father, uh, we've got a call here that kind of follows up on that question of when you have extended family that's coming in that aren't on, you know, don't share your faith, and I want to throw out the phone number again here. You can call in and speak with our spiritual director, Father Brian O'Brien, and our phone number is 888-914-9149. What are some of the ways that you keep Christ as the focus at Christmas? Amidst all of the the wonderful festivities, you know, the singing of Christmas carols, the opening of presents, the gathering together, eating great food, how do you make sure that your Christmas still keeps Christ as its focus, the reason for the celebration in the first place? What are some of those traditions that you have in your family uh, that have helped you draw closer to Christ? to be able to be in that that celebration of his birth, helped your children, maybe as they were growing up. Um, our number again, 888-914-9149. Uh, Father, Molly is calling in from St. Louis, Missouri. Molly, welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air. Oh, hello. So nice to talk, speak with you. Um, we've always um, celebrated Christmas with Christ-centered. Um, I have an Advent wreath and a and the Holy Family and um, signs around the house of um, our Catholic faith. Um, even in my travels, I bring things home. Um, my son is married, a lovely Sikh girl who is asking many questions about the Catholic faith. But at times she's rather quiet and they live out of town, but they're coming for Christmas. 
And I just wanted to ask Father um, if he had any tips. I um, sometimes um, sometimes I hear people going overboard, and it might make a potential evangelical message um, a little a little um, too much, and might uh, scare her away or um, pull away. And I, I certainly didn't want to do that either. Um, and that that's pretty much why I'm calling. Yeah, that's Molly. That's a great uh, a great question. So I, w- I would say a couple things. You know, um, definitely we, we don't want to be overbearing uh, to somebody who is maybe coming into what 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 could be kind of an uncomfortable situation for her. Um, and, and I would you know kind of put the shoe on the other foot. If let's say you were invited to her to her home and they were doing some Sikh uh, tra- tradition. Um, right, it would be pretty uncomfortable, right? I, I don't know what that is or, or how that works. And so I think to put it back on, on her in, in the sense of asking her as much as she's comfortable, you can kind of read the situation, but asking her um, what, what traditions does, does her family have? Um, do, 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 does her faith have kind of something maybe similar to Christmas where the family all comes together? I think it would be really interesting for, for you uh, and, and for the whole family, if, if appropriate, to, to hear about her tradition. Um, and then, you know, does, does that then uh, open up her to, to ask you, and so what is, this, what is this Christmas thing that you all are, are celebrating? My guess is, if she's if she's if she's from the United States or you know really uh, from anywhere where Christmas is a big deal, she knows about Christmas. But most a lot of people, um, if they're not Christian, they they know about the commercial aspects of Christmas. And so to be able to you know do, does asking her questions then open up her to ask you questions? What is this Christmas and why is everyone so excited about it? And then for you to be able to say, gosh, there was this there was this man named Jesus. And he, you know, he, he was born in this place in Bethlehem and Mary and Joseph to show some of those images that are in your home of the nativity. All of those can be very inviting uh, for someone who may not know anything about Christmas other than maybe Santa Claus or, uh, you know, the kind of the commercial aspects of it. Yeah, it's a great question, Molly. And, you know, Father, as, as I was thinking about it, too, I love your suggestion of just asking questions of her background, allowing her to talk about, you know, what what she's familiar with, her own family traditions. Um, you know, there there are conversations you can have in the larger group, but then there's also, you, you know, it might be an opportunity if there's time, if if events allow, where maybe the two people, you know, Molly, you and your daughter-in-law are able to just kind of go off, you know, grab a cup of coffee by yourself, you know, if, if and don't make it necessarily that, that it's, again, you know, some overt way that you are trying to convert her on the spot, but just developing a relationship, you know, that better friendship, that deeper f- relationship with your daughter-in-law, hopefully that even will open the door at a different point where she'll feel that she can trust and be able to speak more openly with you and that you're not trying to, that you don't have, you know, just this this one agenda, that you really care about her as a person. And I mean, Father, that's, you know, for any of us, the the way that we're going to win souls is by caring for those around us, not just simply, you know, winning an argument or making a great point. Yeah, and I love the phrase I heard this years ago from a very wise priest who said, you know, what our 
what whether non-Christians or maybe children who have left the faith, you know, what what they need is light, not heat. Um, is a great way to put it. You know, I think a lot of times we, you know, well, what do you believe in? Why don't you believe in Jesus? You know, we kind of come at people, and it's a total turnoff, and, and it's really going to push them away. Um, so we, they don't, they don't need heat. They need light. They need our joy, um, our interest in them, a genuine interest in what are your traditions? Where'd you come from? Um, tell us, tell me about you. And then does that then open them up to, you know, maybe what, what we, to what we believe, and and that leads to then a, a conversation. And most importantly, you know, just pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to be with you in those conversations, that the Holy Spirit guides your words and, you know, whatever whatever happens there. Um, because God loves your daughter-in-law more than your, your son does, more than anybody else, and of course, he wants her salvation as well. Um, so, Molly, thanks for calling in. I hope you have a very blessed and Merry Christmas. Uh, need to take a short break here, again, talking with Father Brian O'Brien today on The Inner Life, and taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. What are some of the things that you do in your family that help keep Christmas focused on Christ? Even with the opening of presents, with the good food, with the family activities and and, uh, the times of coming together, how have you been able to keep that focus on Christ during Christmas? We'd love to hear some of your traditions, some of the things you've done with your family. 888-914-9149. Back in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center, helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com slash Gregory. That's relevantradio.com slash Gregory. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Beautiful, beautiful song, Oh Holy Night there, Nat King Cole. And we are looking ahead, only a few days out from Christmas now. How can we celebrate Christmas as Catholics? What are some of the things that make our celebration as Christians unique? How do we keep Christ centered there in our Christmas celebration? What are the ways that you do that in your home, in your family? Uh, Maybe it was when you were growing up, the things your parents did with you. Maybe it's you as a parent and the things you've been able to do with your own children in your own family. Uh, What are the ways that you have been able to keep that focus? Still have the fun with the presents, all all the Christmas movies, uh, you know, the Christmas songs, all of that, but be able to make sure that 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 focus on Christ isn't lost. We'd love to hear how you've done that in your family. Our phone number to call into the studio, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Uh, my guest today, Father Brian O'Brien, he is a priest in the Diocese of Tulsa, the pastor of St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church in St- uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma. And uh, Father, you mentioned 
earlier in the hour, one of the main things that was the central focus of your Christmas celebration growing up, which, you know, it's it's kind of the the main thing I would think for anyone, it's going to Christmas Mass. And this is one time of year where we have so many different scripture readings from Mass. For the Gospel alone, there's a reading from Matthew for the Vigil Mass. Uh, on Christmas Eve, there's a reading from Luke's Gospel for Midnight Mass. There's uh, Luke's Gospel for Mass at Dawn and uh, on Christmas Day, and then a reading from St. John's Gospel for Mass during the day on Christmas. This is one of the only gospel—I uh, think it's the only that does uh, gospel reading that doesn't include the different parts of Isaiah or Paul's letter to Timothy or the letter to the Hebrews. Uh, we end up— we end up hearing so many different uh, readings that are happening at these different celebrations of the Mass within a span of, you know, 24 hours or so. Why so many variations on what we'll hear depending on the time that we attend Mass? Yeah, it's one of those uh, kind of liturgical, I don't know, like oddities, sort of, you know, where, where yeah, it depends on where, where you go or what time you go to Mass as to what the readings are. Now, I think a lot of parishes, my parish included, we... We we pick one set each year and and do them at all at all of our masses. Um, that's one of the pastoral options that the church gives. Um, but when you read through them, you know I think some especially like people who are lectors readers that you know they're like, well, what what are we doing? What which one am I supposed to prepare for? Because there are these so many options. And I think what's really beautiful about it, and I think this is what the church wants to to put in front of us, is that there's a lot of different views, a lot of kind of different aspects of the birth of Jesus Christ. Um, there isn't one, there isn't one account. There's multiple accounts um, coming from different, different gospel writers, and there's, there's different aspects of it. And so we're, since, since Christmas is only this, this, this one day into the Christmas season, we want to, we want to get a full view. So if you read through all of those readings, you know, readings for mass, for the for the vigil mass and reading for uh, the mass at dawn or the master in the night or Christmas Day, what you're seeing, you're getting a, a full view of all that Scripture has to say about the beautiful birth of Jesus. And I think the Church wants us to to be aware of those. You know, as you're talking about, we get so many different perspectives. I think that's so interesting too. Even in these last days of Advent leading up, you know, yesterday. Uh, the first reading that we had at Mass was from Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon, depending on, you know, what, what translation you're reading. But it's one of those readings that I would never expect to hear during Advent. You know, um, same with even today, on today's reading, we end up hearing about Hannah, who brings in Samuel, uh, her son, there into the priest Eli. And there's some of these readings that they they kind of give us a different insight into the Old Testament, looking ahead to the arrival of Christ, the anticipation of Christ. And I think there's so much richness that, you know, we, we might not realize the Church is trying to, you know, give to us, trying to show to us that we have available. Um, we just have to look for it. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, the, the readings of Advent, the readings of Christmas, the readings of the Christmas season— um, they are be- they are beautiful. Um, I think so many people love you know love this time of year for all of the the outside festivities, um, but but it's another reason to love this time of year, and that's the scripture that the church gives us in the mass. 
Father, let's go back to the phones. Again, our phone number here, if you'd like to call in and join the program as we talk about ways that we can celebrate Christmas as Catholics, the ways that we can keep Christ as that focus of Christmas, the the real reason that we celebrate Christmas, uh, you can call in and share how you've done that in your home, in your family, 888-914-9149, And Russ is calling in, listening in Long Beach, California. Hi, Russ. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Hey, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I was commenting on the comments you made a few moments ago about having a prayer, and even if Uncle Charlie doesn't believe, include him. Don't necessarily ask him to do the prayer, but include him. I am not a believer, but several people in my family who I love dearly are, and I have always appreciated that they would include me in their prayer. So I would say, as the non-believer, yes, offer a prayer. Bring Uncle Charlie in. If he doesn't like it, that's on him. But it's really a beautiful expression of of love and acceptance that I have always appreciated when a prayer was offered for me. So I just wanted to make that comment and uh, wish you guys Merry Christmas. Yeah, Russ, thank you. Merry, Merry Christmas to you. Um, I, I think you're, I think you're, you're right on. Um, it, you know, if people, people may have a problem with it, you know, if you have a, a non-believing um, relative or, or friend who, who's over, but I think it's also important to to recognize that it that it's your house. You know, if you're if you're having people over to your house, um, you ought not to have to hide from you know from your traditions or kind of water or water things down. Um, and then I think I've I've found like in, in when we pray um, to be as specific as possible. So so to use Russ, you know, this Uncle Charlie's at the house. And maybe Uncle Charlie's had a difficult year. Maybe Uncle Charlie lost his wife. Maybe Uncle Charlie lost his job or, you know, and so as you, as you pray to be very specific, you know, Lord, we, we ask you to bless Uncle Charlie, you know, in, in a difficult time, you know, he lost his wife and to be very specific. And I think what, what can happen when people hear that their hearts really can be moved. Uh, and, and it's it becomes you know an, an openness to to the power of of Christ in their life. So anyway, I just I appreciate that, Russ. Um, and, and then even even saying Merry Christmas, you said you know you're not a believer, but I have a good Jewish friend who he always calls me and and, and offers a, a Merry Christmas. Um, and I and I just love that uh, that we ought not be afraid uh, to live our faith out loud, um, even in front of our relatives and friends who may not believe what we believe. Yeah. Well, uh, Russ, first of all, thanks for listening and calling in and sharing your perspective, and I hope you keep listening. Um, and, and, you know, call back occasionally and and uh, let us know how things are going. I, I would hope that, you know, if you're listening, that you're at least open to the idea of that relationship with Christ in your life. But, Father, I also really appreciate what you say about when you are praying for someone in your family— being specific, you know, if they've gone through some sort of difficulty. I, I've never known anyone, regardless of where they are, you know, I, I, I have atheist friends and family members. When I know they're going through something difficult, if I let them know, hey, you've been in my prayers, or I've been praying for this issue that you're dealing with, they never, they, <laughs> they never have any other response other than gratitude. It's always... Well, thanks. I really appreciate that. Even if they don't necessarily believe in God the way that I believe in God, they're always grateful for it. And and I think that, again, it's it's showing that you care. It's letting them know that 
hey, this relationship is important to me, and in every way I can, I'll support you, including in in my faith, you know, I, I'm going to turn to God and ask Him to uh, work in your life and help you in this situation, too. Yeah, and I think we also, you know, we're, we're playing the long game here, you know, with people, and so so maybe it's it's radical hospitality that they experience in your home at Christmas. Maybe it's the prayer that you offer for them. Uh, it plants a seed, and so we we may never see the results uh, of that seed. But for how many of us was it was it something that somebody said to us, did for us, prayed for us, that planted a seed or or kind of moved the Holy Spirit in our life that then set us on a course towards um, towards belief in in Christ. So we, we never know. And so we live our faith. We live it out loud. We live it joyfully. We live it to the best of our abilities, despite our, our many imperfections. And, and, and we let God do the rest. So I think we've got we to gotta tr- gotta trust that um, at, at Christmas time, that whoever comes into our home, let them experience our joy, our life of prayer, and then let God handle the rest. Talking with Father Brian O'Brien here today on The Inner Life, and again, welcoming your phone calls, our phone number 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father, a lot of other people calling in to talk with you. We'll get to more of your phone calls coming up next. Also, we'll talk about something that we haven't been saying at Mass, one of the prayers that we haven't been saying and that's going to come back here for us at our Christmas Mass, our Christmas liturgy. We'll tell you what that is coming up next here on The Inner Life. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is here to help with this year's health insurance open enrollment. They offer individual, couple, and family options to best fit your needs. Before January 15th, visit RelevantRadio.com Forester. Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight, glorious streams from here. Silent Night there from Elvis. That's uh, Nick's opportunity to get in one more Elvis Christmas carol for us here. Nick, thank you for running the board, producing the program. Thanks to Thomas and Gesser for screening our phone calls today here. And thanks to Father O'Brien for being our spiritual director here on the program. If you'd like to call in and be a part of the program as we're talking about how to celebrate Christmas as Catholics, how we really keep Christ as that focus, you're welcome to call in and join the program, 888-914-9149, Father, uh, Susan is calling in, listening in California. Hi, Susan. Welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air. Thank you, Barry. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
I'd like to um, make a comment. Um, I come from a large family, many siblings, and I was, you know, one of the younger ones, the youngest, next to the youngest. And um, many, I had two brothers who were constantly butting heads with each other, no matter where, you know, the time was, we were all gathered together. But um, um, I just had something just came to my mind a while ago that something, Something that happens in many families. Um, this didn't happen at Christmas time, but I was thinking maybe this would be a good time when people were were at odds with each other. That somebody in the group might start singing "Silent Night" or "Come or Come All Ye Faithful" or something just to get people to you know get them to stop butting heads or whatever and being more gentle with each other with this beautiful season. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point, Susan. You know, music music can can bond us together, um, and so you know, even people who are not getting along, or even people you know, people who who are not who don't believe what what maybe we believe as as Catholics, they can still they still appreciate Christmas hymns and Christmas songs, and so maybe like a like a family sing along. You know, print out print out the lyrics, staple them together, make twenty copies. And make that part of your Christmas celebration. Okay, we're going to sing together. And maybe throw in, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, kind of fun. And then also, you know, beautiful, maybe close with Silent Night. And can you imagine a family that lives all over the country but is all together, or maybe people who don't get along, and, and singing Silent Night together. Susan, I think you're you're on to something there. What a, what a beautiful, and that could be kind of a tradition that you do every year. You know, before we all go to bed, we're going to sing Silent Night together. Something like that, I think, could be really cool. Absolutely. Thanks for calling in, Susan. Uh, talking about singing uh, different songs around the Christmas time, um, Father, <laughs> we haven't been singing one regularly at Mass here throughout Advent. That's the Gloria, the main message uh, that the angels sang out on Christmas night, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. Um, maybe can you talk to us for a moment about what what we're saying in that glory it's been it's been absent from our liturgy here for the last month about um what should we think about when we now get to bring that back into mass and we're singing out the words of those angels what should what should our focus be there yeah the gloria is just is so beautiful i think sometimes we can take it for granted because we hear it so often oh here we are again another sunday another gloria we do the same thing, I think, with the creed, but the Gloria during, you know, during Advent and during Lent, we don't sing it, and so it's it's a little bit of a fasting from this this beautiful hymn. Um, but it, it first of all, it comes from Scripture. It's from Luke chapter two. Um, it's the song of the angels, and so when we're when we're praying that, or when we're when we're singing it, is to really take take the words seriously. What are we doing when we sing the Gloria? We are, it's, it's in the opening line, we're giving glory to God in the highest. And then it's a prayer, wishing, wishing on earth peace to, to people of goodwill. And then we're, we're, we're praising the Lord. We praise you. We bless you. We adore you. We glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Um, it's a prayer to God the Father and then uh, to, to Jesus Christ, uh, his, his Son, 
Uh, and then we're praying with, you know, at the very end, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. It's it's a prayer, ultimately, of the Trinity, we're giving thanks and praise to God. So having that that attitude, not, okay, let's get this over with, but but raising our hearts and minds to God um, as as we give glory to Him who made us, who created us, who loved us into being, uh, that's what the glory is all about. Uh, Father, one other thing that I want to make sure we're able to talk about here before we run out of time is the fact that Christmas isn't only one day. And we've talked about this in a couple of other shows here during the season of Advent, that the secular world really is trying to celebrate Christmas leading up to Christmas, even though we're technically in the season of Advent. And a lot of people will, as soon as Christmas Day is over, on December 26th, you see all the stores, they have taken down everything regarding Christmas, all the Christmas decorations, anything like that, you know, uh, anything that was on, you know, special for Christmas, it's now in the discount aisle or on the discount rack or whatever it is. Um, There's just kind of this hard cutoff in our culture, in our society, secularly, but how can we carry that celebration into what really is the Christmas season, you know, going into December 26th, the 27th, 28th, and beyond? How can we keep that focus on celebrating Christmas during those days? Yeah, Christmas is, is a day, December 25th, the Nativity of the Lord, um, but Christmas is also a season. And so it's the, it's the danger of like how early we tend to start things, because then a lot of times by the time Christmas rolls around, people are kind of sick of it or ready, you know, ready to move on. Down comes the tree. Everything goes away. But the, the way the church envisions it is that Christmas Day is the first day of, of the season. And so we're meant to bask in the glow of our newborn king um, for, for, for weeks. You know? So we talk about like the 12 days of Christmas. 12 days of Christmas start on Christmas. That's the, that's the first day. Um, and so I would just encourage everyone to to enter into the season. I love to, you know, it's early January, it's mid-January, and like roll into a room and or into a, you know, a convenience store or something and say, Merry Christmas. And people kind of look at you like you're all weird, um, but it's still it's still the Christmas season. And sometimes people say, gosh, what? you know, hey, you just said, Merry, it's, you know, it's January 3rd. Why are you saying Merry Christmas? Hey, because there's this Christmas season, you know, and it's a, a kind of a little chance to evangelize. So I would just encourage people to kind of stick to their guns, Keep your tree up, keep your lights up, all that good stuff, so that the world around us will see that the Christmas season um, is, in fact, a season. It doesn't end on the 25th or the 26th. It actually is just beginning. Well, and it's, you know, even though a lot of people are doing the Christmas parties right now during this time leading up to Christmas, uh, there's, you know, enjoying a lot of Christmas cookies or other Christmas treats. It's really, for us as Catholics— once we get to the 25th of December and then those days of the Christmas season, that's really where the celebrating should be taking place. That's where, okay, great, break out the champagne. <laughs> Let's make sure we have the cookies and the cake and the, you know, all those goodies. That's, that's where the celebration takes place for us. Yeah, Christmas. I mean, if you if you can have, uh, we do it with my with my staff. I call it, it's our Advent party, you know, because uh, it's not Christmas yet. But if you're having celebrations uh, on Christmas Day or after, by all means, they are they are Christmas celebrations. It's a great opportunity to gather people together and to celebrate Christ as the center of our lives. 
Father O'Brien, uh, it's always a joy to talk to you. Thank you for being here for the hour in our remaining minute. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? I would love to. Let us pray. God, our Heavenly Father, as we finish this Advent season and enter into the beauty of Christmas, we ask you to help us to keep uh, keep Jesus Christ as the center of our life. He is our newborn King. He is the one who came to save us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Be with all those who are listening today. Give them your grace and your peace. Bring reconciliation to all families and help us to live this season with hope and joy and faith. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks again so much, Father O'Brien, for being with us. I hope you have a Merry Christmas. And to you, Josh. Thank you. Great to be here. And I also want to say to you, the listener, thank you so much for being a part of The Inner Life. Uh, This is our last live broadcast before Christmas. Uh, Tomorrow our offices will be closed in observance of Christmas Eve since it falls on the weekend. And so uh, on behalf of myself... My producer, Nick, here, our call screener, Thomas, want to say a very blessed and Merry Christmas to you. And remember to keep Christ as that focus. You know, do something special uh, that really makes Christmas all about Christ. And again, as always, if you joined us late, make sure to go back and find the podcast. You can find that at our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. Stay tuned. We've got Mass that's coming up next here. And again, From all of us here, have a very blessed and Merry Christmas.